Acts chapter number 12, starting in verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. There is quite a bit of reading, you pray for it. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter. By the way, that's a mistranslation in the King James Bible. That should be Passover. Intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Uh, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And they were past the first and the second ward, and they came to the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out, and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Now when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord hath brought him out of the prison, and he said, Go show these things unto James and the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. I feel that's all the reading we'll have today, but... I thought about uh, what the Lord would want us to try to preach, and and a lot of it I said, some of it yesterday at, at the funeral, but uh, I don't know, I, it's sort of a silly title, but if I were going to title it, I'd probably just call it, <laughs> He Didn't Have to Do That. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning just a little bit on prayer, uh, and just about the power. You see, I, uh, I firmly believe that that we are hesitant to unsheath our greatest weapon. And that is the weapon of prayer. Uh, there are two weapons that God has given to His people. One being the Word of God that in the Scripture said it is the sword of the Spirit. Uh, you, can, you, can, uh, uh, you can parry with the sword in a fight. You can deflect 
You can deflect uh, blows from the enemy with a sword, and then it's also got a point and a sharp, uh, so you can actually go on the attack with the sword. And so that is the word of God. It is a it is a defense. It is a buckler. It is a shield from the uh, from the attacks of the enemy, the devil. Uh, it is a shield for us when uh, Satan would attack, uh, and it's also a weapon that can be used against him. Uh, for even our Lord Himself. When he uh, was assailed by Satan, uh, he attacked back with the words, It is written, and quoted scripture into the devil, and the devil eventually had to leave, and so it can be used as a, as a defensive mechanism or a weapon. And the other weapon that, uh, that we have is prayer. Uh, and my friends, when I say today the, uh, the power of prayer, uh, if you want to move uh, the arm that moves the world, It'll happen in prayer. And I thought as we were uh, getting ready for the funeral yesterday, and I mentioned this, that, uh, that just God didn't have to do what He did. Uh, and and I, I told you this as we were in revival, and, and, uh, and, and last Saturday we went down to Skyline to see Sister Janice, and saw her laying there in that condition, and, and just began to pray that God would, uh, would wake her up in order to hear the news that her grandboys had to tell her. And, and you know, God didn't have to do that. Uh, he didn't have to do that. Uh, but because we asked, and when I say we, I'm not saying me, there were many, uh, many, many, many. You see, I'm a firm believer uh, that she probably never would have woke up uh, had the church uh, not prayed that she woke up. What I mean to say to you is we have at our disposal uh, the greatest weapon that man could ever have, and that is prayer to a God that listens to His people. Amen. I mean, we talk about a Go and sing a song about a grand and a glorious feeling uh, just to know, just to know and just to be a child of God uh, and just to, uh, just to be able. Uh, a prayer shouldn't be something you dread. It shouldn't be something that, uh, that well, it's, it's prayer time. I guess I ought to go down on my knees. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, a prayer should be a time that the people and the children of God look forward to uh, to getting on our face uh, and talking to our Lord and Master, uh, talking to our Redeemer. Uh, he wants us to come to Him. Uh, he wants us to tell Him our problems. Uh, he wants us to thank Him for how good He's been. Uh, and so when He answers prayer, uh, it's one thing that He even acknowledges that man pray. Uh, it's one thing that the Creator of everything uh, that you can see, uh, that the Grand Master and the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords would even acknowledge the fact uh, that His poor little creatures down here on earth are trying to talk with him. But he goes far deeper than that and far past that. He does stuff he doesn't have to do and he'd still be God. He don't have to answer our prayers. But my friend, how would you see a prayer that you pray to God answered and he does what you bid him to do? We ought to then fall on our face and really begin to thank him because he didn't have to do that. He didn't. He didn't have to look Janice. And I've thought different times this week about what it must have been like waking up in a hospital, not really knowing why you're there, what happened, but hearing the greatest news you could possibly ever want to hear. And he didn't have to do that. And so we come to this scripture, and it's a time in the early church where uh, where the first 
apostle by the name of James. The first apostle has been martyred and his name was James. And, and the Bible says it pleased Herod to kill this apostle named James. It pleased Herod. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews that he killed James, he further then took Peter also. Now here's a church that had already lost one of their founders. They hadn't been in existence very long. They were a young body, a young church. And James is now dead. And surely, uh, surely they can't go without Peter. Uh, that would be two of the pillars uh, because Peter, James, and John, uh, those were the three uh, that went everywhere our Lord went. Even when the other nine apostles had to tarry behind, those three were permitted for whatever reason to go with him into places that the other nine could not go. Uh, so they'd already lost one of those three. Uh, James was dead. Uh, they saw their brother being murdered and killed. Uh, and surely they thought, uh, not, not Peter too. Uh, not Peter too. We've just buried James. Uh, but see, they had a little bit of time uh, because it was the Passover. It was the, a series of days where the Jews uh, celebrated the Passover and thank God for the deliverance from Egypt all of those years ago. And so they had a bit of time. And the Scripture says they met at John Mark's mother's house for prayer. And it said Peter was shut up in prison, but the church was praying without ceasing for his deliverance. Now I want you to think about that. They had already seen one killed. Now this church was praying. The people I believe gathered. Do you know what would probably in our culture, in our dark generation, do you know what would probably probably be of a great help to me and to you? You know what would probably help us more than anything we could probably think of? Uh, to take 10 or 12 at a time and just go meet in homes uh, like they did in days gone by and just begin to study the Scripture and uh, just begin to cry out and have an old-fashioned prayer meeting. That's what was going on here. They were having an old-fashioned... Now they were praying for deliverance. And sometimes God answers our prayers in far different ways. Uh, for instance, with Sister Janice, and I said this yesterday, it may seem cruel to some uh, that God would bring her back and then take her so suddenly again. Uh, but let me tell you, the older you get, uh, you'll come to realize uh, that that was absolutely a gift from God, that He didn't have to do that for you. He didn't have to do that for your family. Uh, but He did that because we, He loved you. And He did that because He's good. And He did that because we were praying. And so He answers prayers. Uh, sometimes in, in a manner which we don't understand. Uh, for we prayed. And I prayed different prayers for different people. Uh, that the Lord would just uh, take their sickness away. Uh, and restore health to their body. Uh, and sometimes He does that in a physical manner on this earth. Uh, but sometimes He chooses to take them home. In both cases the prayers answer. For if they've been saved by God's grace, she's certainly not sick anymore. So he did take that sickness away. And so, but it's not always in the manner that we that we think it should be. Now I believe this church was gathered in John Mark's mother's house, and I believe they were praying for Peter. I believe they were praying that God would, would somehow compel Herod. See, that was the 
As far as they knew, that was their best course of action. That they would pray that God sometimes... Now this feast had went on six or seven days probably. And now it was come. Uh, this was the final night of it. And uh, this was the last night. In other words, they had prayed and prayed. And they hadn't seen any results. Uh, when I tell you, uh, we sang this morning before Sunday school, the kids... Uh, let us song victory in Jesus. Uh, and when I say to you, uh, uh, this revival was a, a victory for us uh, and for me. Uh, I don't know about you, but I needed a victory uh, here in this place. Uh, in the last few weeks, uh, I prayed that God would give us a victory uh, because you put in the work uh, and the labor. And as a pastor, you wonder if anything you're saying or doing is doing any good. We've tried to help our children spend time with them. And you wonder if you're spending your week but you know what happens God answers prayers and he doesn't have to do that but he just gave us a blessed revival he gave us a blessed morning this morning he answers prayers and he doesn't have to do that but they needed a victory it was the last night if anything was going to happen it was going to have to happen soon because of the first morning light Herod was going to go in and take Peter and kill Peter. So it had to happen. And this church was praying. And I think they were praying that when Herod got up the next morning, he would suddenly have a change of heart. And that God would so deal with his heart. And I think that's probably what they that's probably what I would have done. Prayed that God would open Herod's eyes, open Herod's heart. But you know, sometimes God answers things in a far more miraculous manner and He's able to do abundantly above all that we would ever ask for things. And so that's what He did. He didn't wait till the next morning. He didn't wait till that first light. Uh, my friend, He went in that night, in the dead of night, around the midnight hour. You know what the Scripture says? Now keep in mind, Peter was about to be executed. I don't know about you, I hardly sleep at all on Saturday nights because I know what i got to do Sunday morning. And so my thoughts assail me. This man was going to be put to death in a few hours. And he was sound asleep. He wasn't a bit scared. I think he was ready to face his execution. I think the face that he had in his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the faith. I think he was ready to go out to the chopping block. I think he was ready like the Apostle Paul. I truly believe the day the Apostle Paul was beheaded and he knew it was coming and the last thing that he ever wrote, as far as we know, he wrote to Timothy and he said, the time of my departure is now at hand, but I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and there is henceforth laid up for me a crown of righteousness that fadeth not away and not for me only but also for all of them that love is appearing I believe the apostle Paul woke up that faithful day and he walked out to the sun shining and a smile on his face and I believe he bared his neck on the chopping block and said it's going to be a good day I'm going home to be with my Lord and I think Peter was sound asleep knowing that in a few short hours he was going to be face to face with his Lord and Savior one more time. Peter was asleep. He was asleep there, had not a care in the world. But the Scripture says it was dark and he was asleep. And there were 16. You see, Herod was no idiot. He had heard what had happened 
in bygone days about Jesus of Nazareth. He had heard by many how that uh, the saying was that He never rose from the dead, but that during the night His apostles came and stole His body. And so Herod was no idiot. Herod sent Peter not just in prison. There were 16 soldiers. 16 soldiers. Four groups of four. 16 total. How that Peter was bound and he was shut in. And it was dark. And there wasn't a light. And there was gates leading out of the city. And there was gates leading into where Peter was at. And then there were 16 soldiers. And if that wasn't enough, he was bound between two. Uh, one on his right and one on his left. And Peter's hands and feet were chained fast in the stocks. There was nowhere for him to go. Can I tell you something? We that, we that know that we have lost in our midst, we know that. And we know that because of their own admission that they're lost and never been saved. And they are as bound today as Peter was in that dark, dank uh, prison. And they are bound Satan has them bound. He has them wrapped up. He has guards about them. He has them chained down. How can I tell you today that God is the breaker of chains? He led Peter out. You know what the Scripture says? That He came in to an angel. And that angel had a light. And that light came in and Peter was sound asleep and that angel just sort of poked him in the side and Peter woke up and the angel said, come on, Peter. The angel wasn't in a big hurry. He just said, come on, uh, get your shoes on, uh, get your clothes on. Uh, we're getting out of here tonight. Uh, you know God didn't have to do that. Uh, but because there was a group of men and women at John Mark's mother's house, uh, God had respect and He answered them their prayers and delivered their friends. He didn't have to do that. He would have still been God and Peter would have been dead and the church would have went on. He didn't have to do that. There's a lot of things God has done for me in my life that He's not had to do. First of all was saving me. He didn't have to do that. He'd have still been God and I'd still be lost. He didn't have to do that, but He did. He did this church was praying fervently for their friend, for their leader, for their apostle, for their instructor, for their father in the faith, for the one that just a few, a few days prior had preached and 3,000 had been saved. That's who they were praying for. And they were praying for Peter. And as they prayed, and I said that all to say this, I truly believe, church, that if we centered one person on our mind, and we can, what is there, two or three hundred people here? I don't know, but I truly believe there was probably no more than a dozen there that night, but they had centered their mind on one thing and one thing only, that God would deliver Peter, their friend, that God would make a way that he could be saved and free. So I, I fully believe with the crowd that we have here nearly every Sunday, if we at the same time went with one accord to the throne and mentioned one name in prayer, I believe that God would come on the scene and begin to break the chains that bind them. Amen. So heavenly. I believe prayer still has that kind of power. Amen. I believe that prayer will still move the hand that rules the world. 
I believe that prayed. And you see, they were praying. They had no idea how God would deliver him. They left that to God. They were just praying for their friend to see him again. And so that angel went in as they prayed. Isn't that a remarkable thing? As they were crying out to God, that God was working on that end. Now let me tell you this, church, if God ever brings a sinner to your mind, if He ever does that, I promise you what you can count on as you begin to pray for them, God will work on their end. He will. That's the God that I serve. And so Peter was just there. And an angel came and smote him, much like he did me. Now, whenever I was lost, I was fine. Peter had not a care in the world. But an angel came and smote him and said, Peter, we need to get out of here. I'm telling you, the night that I was saved, I really didn't have much of a care in the world until God smote me on the heart. And He said, you need to get out of this place. There's a way of deliverance made for you. And if you'll follow me, I'll lead you out of captivity. I'll lead you out of this dungeon. I'll lead you out of these chains. I'll lead you out of this life. That without fail will kill you if you continue here. But you follow me and I'll take you out. And that's what he said to me. And I followed him. And he did exactly what he said. And Peter, the Bible said, just put yourself. You just are sleeping between two soldiers bound in fetters and chains. And all of a sudden, a light comes into your cell. All of a sudden, something pokes you in the side. All of a sudden, you lay your eyes upon this creature. And he says, get up out of here. And you begin to bind on your shoes and put on your coats. And past one soldier he went. And another soldier he went. Uh, they came past the gates into the prison. And they went out. But see, there was still one thing. He was still thinking, probably, there's an iron gate that we're going to have to deal with. You see, Satan binds you in different ways. He might have, God might have saved you, but you're still looking at that great big iron gate. You're still looking, how am I ever going to get past this? I'm out of the prison. I'm out of the chains. I truly believe that God has done a work in somebody's life here today that has never stood on that faith because all you can see, the chains are gone, but there's an iron gate that stands between me and the church. There's an iron gate that's fine. But you know what the Bible said? When he got to that iron gate, it just opened at his own accord. And so, you step out on faith and you'll see that gate begin to move. You'll see it begin to open. And the Bible says Peter walked out and he probably knew. I don't know how he knew. God probably revealed to him uh, maybe to go to John Mark's mama's house. There's something going on there. And so he walked out of that gate and it opened at his own accord. And the Bible said he went to that place where they were praying. And he stood outside the gate and he began to knock. And a young damsel named Rhoda went to that gate and she said, I don't believe this. You think those... You think that first church weren't Baptist? I'm going to tell you this. They were praying. God answered their prayers and they still would not believe. They're no different than us. God answered a lot of prayers last week in revival. There's still some He's yet to answer. Uh, but you can mark her down. If we pray in faith, if we, if we brandish that weapon in 
faith. If we have fervently went to God in faith that God will deliver our children, your sons and your daughters will be saved. That great big iron gate one of these days is going to open wide. And so Peter stood at that gate and he just began to knock. And Rhoda went running in. Y'all ain't going to believe this. But exactly what we've been praying for. I don't know how he's here at this midnight hour. I don't know how he ever got out of prison. But she said, Peter is standing right outside this gate. And they said, no, he's not. No, he's not. That's his ghost or that's his angel. That's his guardian angel. That's something that looks like Peter has Peter's form, but there's no way. See, even they had no idea that they were praying to a God with all power and all authority. Let me tell you this. When you begin to pray for your children, your son and your daughter, you need to realize you're praying to the very one who can shake the foundation from under them. You're praying to the one that has the light to spring in where they're at. You're praying to the very one that can smite them on the side and let them know in certain terms if you continue down this path in life, you will die lost. You will go to hell fire and the smoke of your torment will ascend up forever and ever and ever. But that same one that goes in and tells them that, you know what he'll say? If we pray fervently, he'll say, if you want to escape, you follow me. And out the prison they go. And that's what happened. And Peter, he didn't have to do that. But because that early church was just a babe in its infancy, because that early church had faith that somehow, some way, not nearly in the manner that they thought they were praying for daybreak. And let me tell you this, as sinners, you don't wait till revival comes around again. At church, you don't wait till revival comes around again. We don't have to wait for the breaking of day. God is able to move in the darkness. Amen. Just like He does in the light. See, darkness and light is all the same to Him. And so, so the very thing they were praying for, isn't that an amazing thing? I've told you the story about how I came to pastor here. And it started with one prayer in a parking lot at Glasgow, right outside of a hospital. But I prayed that one prayer that God would find me a place to send me to a people that I could help and I could help. That's where it started. And there's not been very many times in my life uh, that I know without a doubt I've reached the throne of God. Uh, but that was one of those times I knew beyond anything I had just had communed with God the Father and His Son and had fellowship with the Spirit. And I knew then uh, as I prayed I felt the strength grow uh, that the heart of God was moved and the hand of God was moved. And it wasn't long till I was standing right here. Not even on the ballot and got elected past. You tell me. You tell me again how God can't move. I'm telling you, when God's people that are called by His name get together and begin to pray, we have the power to bring the power of God down on whosoever will. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Herod wasn't going to change. It didn't matter to God. If he couldn't free Peter by changing Herod's heart, he had freed him by some other way. 
God is able to shake the foundations. And so there are many times in that Scripture that because praying men and women just assembled together and bowed down on their face, lifted their voice up to her God. And let me finish like this. I said it a while ago, but I'll say it again. He didn't have to do that. But do you have any idea? It's one thing. I read in the Scripture that Joshua was in a fight, in a battle one time, and he was getting a victory. I don't know about you, but there were nights in revival I didn't want to end. Tuesday and Thursday especially. There was a Tuesday night in 2020 that we sang. I don't know how many remember this, but I, I vividly remember it. It was 2020. Uh, we'd just come through a uh, hard part of COVID. Had pushed our revival back to the fall. Uh, but there was a night, and I think it was a Tuesday of that year, uh, Titus, and I'll never forget it, he was leading singing, and we sang bound for that city about five times in a row. Never seen that happen. Uh, but there was some power. It wouldn't surprise me at all to find out sometime that somebody got saved that night. It was that powerful. But do you realize what God has blessed us with this week? We've sat in the presence of His power. We've sat in the presence. It's been a long time since I've seen and felt conviction power like was in this place. And it's all because God's people lifted up your voice and your heart and cried out for salvation to come. And it did. He didn't have to do that. But there are times Joshua was in a battle and Joshua prayed one time. He was gaining the victory. And I said that to say this. There are times in revival especially how when wave after wave comes and you don't want to dismiss because you're getting a victory. That's the kind of victory Joshua was having. And you know what he did? It might seem the foolish thing. He prayed and he commanded the sun to stand still and the moon to stand still. And you know what happened? It said never before in the history of the world God listened, hearkened unto the voice of a man. And God made the sun stand still. And Joshua soundly routed the, uh, the, in the battle that day. He soundly defeated his foes because he had enough faith. While I'm getting the victory, he just prayed that the sun would stand still. And God made the sun stand still. A man by the name of Hezekiah prayed one time. His life was at its end. He was told him, set your house in order. You're going to die. And Hezekiah turned to the wall and he prayed. And that man of God named Isaiah stopped in his tracks, turned right around, went right back in the throne room and he said, Oh King, God has heard your prayer and now you're not going to die. You're going to live. And Hezekiah said, How do I know he heard my prayer? And Isaiah said, You're saying, Think of the grandest thing you could ask is pretty much what he said. And he said, okay, okay, uh, let's have the sun go backwards 10 degrees. And you know what the Bible said? The sun that had started to sink, hey, it went backwards 10 I'm telling you, God has that kind of power. Prayer has that kind of power. You might be asking, where's my sign at? Jesus said, no sign shall be given but by the prophet Jesus. You know what the best sign is? It's the Spirit. That's your sign. It's the Spirit. That's your sign. But prayer, prayer changes things. He didn't have to do that. How many times in your life 
Have you asked God for something that He didn't have to do? But because it pleases God to please you, He has done it just for you. He didn't have to. But because He's God and because He's good, He does. He listens to the voice of His children. What a God that we serve. Get your song together. That's all we've got for you.